Welcome back to the back porch. We have your co-host Matthew Trollinger. How's it going? And our guest speaker Cam Reeves. Hello, everybody. And of course, yours truly, Cruz Chavez. Cruz Chavez. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, man? I'm trying to stay warm. It's been cold out. That cold front came through, and it really, you know, winter really is here. Yeah, it's here. Dude, we went to that OSU game Saturday. Ooh, that was kind of miserable. It was freezing cold, and it rained on us the entire game. That's miserable. Yeah. Cold and wet. Yeah. I think I would have been fine if it would have just started snowing. Like, I can do the cold with the snow, but just the rain, I don't like that. Not me. I'm too lightweight for cold weather. Same. I'd Yeah, I'd rather it just be summertime year-round. Dude, I I remember one football game in high school, my like maybe my freshman year, maybe, and it was cold and and raining. I hated football. That's I think it was that game that I decided to quit. <laughs> and I realized never it, played football again. Never played that. football again. It was horrible. It's not worth it. Your yeah. fingers, listen, your fingers and toes do not go numb in the summertime. Nope. In the heat. Amen. Nope. Yeah, I when we left that game. I couldn't even feel my feet. I just felt like I had two frozen bricks walking across the ground. You probably I did. Feel anything? <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. No, but I mean, today was kind of nice. <clears throat> when the sun came out, it was pretty nice. Uh, I mean, it's still pretty chilly. And it's fifty degrees right now. It's forty six. Um, but with the sun out and no wind, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice outside. So I wouldn't know. I was inside all day. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Life choices, life choices, man. I Can chose you? to find a job indoors mm, with yeah. climate controlled. I mean, that's good. I'd rather, be, I'd rather have that too. But I got to go for a walk. You know what I mean? I got to get some sun rays, some vitamin D. <laughs> Need some vitamin D. What well, you been up to? Anything new? Uh, today working on the house, man. All weekend. You've been busy on the house. Dude, I'm getting stuff done around here. See, all the things that I wanted to do at my old home, I didn't do because it was a rental property. Mm-hmm. Now that yep. you buy a house, it's like, all right, it's time to take care of some stuff. <laughs> yep. Right? So, time to be a home owner. Yep. I love it, dude. It's awesome. I love working on stuff. Yeah, in fact, every time I've been over here, you've been busy working on something. Cam showed up, sent me a text message and said, hey, are you here? I said, yes. That's all I said. Yes. Because I was outside working on stuff. <laughs> and then he, he pulls up as I'm walking around to the front and didn't even know you were here just yet. Oh, I thought you heard me. Like, no, I just I, got out of my car. I literally just was walking to the front just to look at everything else. And that was about the time that I was done. So, yeah, just working on stuff. I love it. Yeah. You need some more projects to work on? It depends on what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I got some stuff I can I can pawn off on you if you get too bored. If it's mowing, no, I'll pass. I hate mowing. <laughs> hey, that's the nice thing about this house. You've got like so much shade in your backyard. There is like there's not very much grass. You won't have to mow very much. That's true. And I cut down half those trees out there, so we'll see what happens. It might start growing grass. Now. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. So. Yeah, I don't mind mowing. I like to mow. And both my kids, the oldest ones that, that are in the house, they uh, begged me this year to mow. And I got so busy at one point, I said, fine, go get the mower. 
one of y'all do the front, one of y'all do the back. And so, and now the, the oldest boy, he wants to weed eat. Dude asked me every day to weed eat. Even now? Now that the grass is yes, dead? Yes, he asked me last week. I'm like, dude, there's nothing to weed eat. <laughs> there ain't nothing out there, man. <laughs> like, first of all, you've taken care of everything. Yeah. And second of all, it's all dead. You can go out there and hit dirt. <laughs> yeah. He don't care. He, don't he care. just wants to go be a man and run that weed eater. Yep. <laughs> Have at it. It's all you. That's, That's kind of awesome. cool. But every now and then I'll I'll jump in and I'm like, I'm mowing this week. You know, that's I enjoy it. I don't know. It's not quiet, but it's quiet time. Yeah. So. I enjoy it too. I mean, I have a big enough yard that I have a zero turn I can ride around. Yeah. Whereas like here, having to push mow, I don't enjoy that. No, that's I would hate that. That's a different yeah. story. Yeah, I I'm out on that. that. No. Yeah, I've got a zero turn also. Well, I don't. I got a push mower. I push mow everything around here. Does it at least like have the wheels that drive Self propel? Yeah. 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 That's good. But it's not like it's strong enough to pull it, really pull yeah, itself. Yeah. Anytime you hit like the slightest little bump or something, it quits moving. Yes. You got to push it. And it, during the summer, like June, July, when the grass gets thick, dude, that thing ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you just, you can sit there and try and let it push itself. Or pull itself, but it won't. As a matter of fact, it gets clogged up and wants to cut off because that grass is so thick. <laughs> that means you ain't mowing enough. <laughs> okay, that might be true. Keep you in shape. Mow every two weeks. <laughs> it's horrible. Anyways, I need to talk about some Jesus. Yeah, let's talk about some Jesus. Let's talk yeah. about some Stephen. Let's talk about Stephen. I thought it was interesting how yesterday... I thought we were going to have another sermon about Israel, <clears throat> and TJ talks about Stephen, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what a surprise. I thought, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> yeah. It's like he already covered everything. Yeah, thanks, TJ. Yeah. But I-, I loved it. He pointed out some things for me in my life, uh, which I'll get into here in, here in a little bit, uh, because it was like the direction of my life. I thought I was going one way. And then God says, no, you're going this way. So it's part of my testimony. Um, so I'll just go ahead and dig in. So picking up in Acts chapter 6, we're going to do 6 and 7 today. Um, we're going to try and go fairly quickly, but again, it's all in God's timing. So if we've got to split it up into two parts, we'll split it up into two parts. Yeah. So chapter 6. By the way, I'm reading out of the... CSB version today. Oh, uh, changing it up on us. Changing it up. I'm dumbing it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebrewic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give give up preaching the word of God, to wait on the tables. Brothers and sisters, select from you among seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, full of, sorry, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. 
They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, and the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became um, obedient to the faith. First off, I just want to apologize. My voice is given in and out. Um, so if you hear some some uh, like squeaks or whatever, yeah, I promise you I'm not going through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> not a second time. <clears throat> um, so just to point out, you have the apostles who were serving. So not only were they preaching, they were also serving. And I think that gives a really good, I want to put a really good emphasis on this serving attribute because I think I think to many of us, like once you become a pastor or once you become, you know, some sort of servant in the church, you think, or like a teacher in the church, you think that serving stops. But that's not true. I mean, you look back at scripture and Jesus says he came to serve and not be served. Yeah. And then you look at James, the book of James in chapter two, I believe, where he talks about um, where he talks about how like faith and works must coexist. I'm just gonna go ahead and, and flip over to to chapter chapter two of James. Okay, this is, uh, I think it's verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, it is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe. And they shuddered. Senseless person. Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Useless. And then he goes into he goes into talk about how Abraham <clears throat> how Abraham used his works um, whenever he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, and so I just want to put an emphasis on this servant serving because the apostles at this time, I mean, they were doing both; they were serving and teaching, and, and so I I want to I want to tell like all those that are listening, <clears throat> like as a Christian, like our job is not is not just to teach the Bible and not share and evangelize, but it's also to do, to do good works. I mean, God created, when he created man, like he created us to, you know, to work the land and to help others in need. And that alone, I mean, that alone can, can evangelize. Because nowadays, no one wants to do anything. You have teenage boys and guys in their 20s that don't want to go out. We talked about mowing we talked about you know working on the house guys don't want to do that these days they want to stay inside and play video games or they want to rent homes and and let the landlord take care of everything but that's just not reality like god created you for a purpose and part of that purpose is <clears throat> is working and so these men 
that's all they knew before they met, before they came to know Christ, before they came to, you know, become devout leaders and followers. They were, they were working somewhere. Some mm-hmm. were fishermen, some were carpenters, some were um, uh, tent makers. And so it just it goes to show that we can't neglect work. Um, you guys have anything to say on the, add to that? Well, you know, Scripture back, I don't remember exactly where it says it, uh, but it says, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, that was something I had to to show my kids because they're just like, I don't think it's fair that I have to help out around the house and do chores. And I'm like, well, let me put some put some Bible on that. You know, this is God's word. This, this is the, the precedent that was set. Um, and then on the, on James, you know, sometimes we get into this, well, I'm, I'm doing all these works, right? And the easiest way I've found to kind of grasp that is your faith produces works. Like that's, it's a, works are a byproduct of our faith. It's, it's our faith that um, we are saved through, and at the same time, that produces works. Like, if you truly have faith and you are truly a servant of Jesus and a disciple, and you are discipling, there will be fruit, there will be works that are produced. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that 100%, because I don't... I think if you look at it from the approach of like you try to focus on your faith and you try to focus on your works, you're looking at it from the wrong approach. Like yeah. the the works will come naturally. Yes. Yeah. Through the the production of that fruit. Absolutely. Yeah. There's like something in you that wants to help. Yes. Something in you that just wants to be an extra hand, <clears throat> and I know it makes no sense. I've seen it time and time again. Uh, leaders in the church now. Like when I've come to the here to the porch, there are guys that step up and step in. Charlie, you're one of those guys. Like you just stepped up and stepped in, and no one asked you to, but you wanted to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and the same thing with a few other guys that I know. Like they just step up and step in. I mean, they're just ready to rock and roll. Tyler Manning. Yes. Yeah, he's willing to do anything. I mean, TJ literally had him and another guy go go and pick up this old beat up car has rusted through the bottom just for a school play and that that will probably be used you know for a week they went they went and loaded it up i don't even know where they got it from a field a field or a salvage yard something (laughs) yeah Yeah. and so it's just it's just impressive it's like it doesn't matter what it is i'll help you whatever it is you need i'll help you yep and that's that's servitude that's the heart of a servant yeah. That's what I was literally about to say. That's a servant's heart. <laughs> and, there, you know, there's something else I, that's really um, cool in here. You know, what verse is it? Um, verse 2, it says, It's not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. That's also an example of why it's so important to delegate. Because, we, you know, like, TJ takes on a lot. I mean, that dude does a lot. And he also delegates as well, yeah. um, but we can't do everything ourselves. We it's there are people out there like Tyler, like Matthew, a lot of people that are unnamed and get no recognition that are willing 
to help out. And it's, you just got to come to the point and recognize like, okay, maybe, maybe I need to delegate, you know, I already have enough on my plate. Like we, it, it, it's delegating is not unbiblical, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and when you do try and take on too much yourself, it also uh, can open up to where you become burnout. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's easy to look at that that passage through the wrong lens. Yes. Of looking at it like, okay, do these people think they're that they're too good to be serving tables? Right. But it's not. And it's like we've talked about before of everyone has their spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to take away from somebody else using their spiritual gift mm-hmm. to glorify yourself by doing more? Right. Yeah. And, and I think there's just this misconception that the only way <clears throat> to serve in ministry is to be up on stage, whether you're singing or you're leading a message in the pulpit. And that's just not true. I mean, you can be a leader anywhere. I, I know many leaders. We're, we're going to go down to Texas in March to go visit a homeless ministry. And my grandma doesn't get any recognition. My grandpa doesn't get any recognition. They're the ones that started that ministry. And they're, they run it, but they're not the face of it. Right. And so I think they're just, it, it's an entire team. I mean, scripture talks about being the body. And some people are the mouth, some people are the hands and feet. And you need those days because obviously there was a problem. Like in chapter six, you see a problem. Like they couldn't sustain what they were doing. It was the same same way when when Jethro in the Old Testament comes and visits Moses for the first time after Israel leaves <clears throat> Egypt. And he says, what you're doing is not good. All day and night, Moses would stand before Israel, judging them, and and they would bring their they would bring their their cases to him, and he would judge. And Jethro says, "What you're doing is not good, and you need to delegate." And he delegates. He sets up this system, and it works, like it's amazing. Yeah. And I was going to say with this, they come together. The church doesn't just come together to praise and worship. The church also comes together to plan. I mean, there's no great ministry out there without without a little bit of planning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so they come they come together and they plan. They said they need seven holy men, seven devout men who are who are just ready to serve Jesus, who love Jesus, and just want to want to be used. And that was me. Like that was my testimony. Like I. I didn't have any plans to be a lead youth pastor, didn't have any plans to be a lead in any ministry. I just wanted to be the hands and feet wherever you needed me, whether whatever church it was. It, before it was Harbor Church. I was ready to just be plugged in at Harbor and stay there for however long God needed me to. And little did I know he wanted he had, you know, a bigger plan for me. And so it, it it's amazing, but <clears throat> not to take away from that. Um, but still they, they needed the help. And and so I can just tell you from, from my perspective, I couldn't do Wednesday nights without my sponsors. That's for sure. I can, those kids wouldn't listen to me. Um, and I know they love small group. And so there's no way I could pour into them and, and get 
much out of them without small groups. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, and if you didn't break it up into small groups, then you, you kind of lose that uh, level of intimacy where, you know, the guys, or I say guys, the, the teenagers within each small group, they kind of become um, what I call FOC, family of choice, right? And they, be, they get comfortable um, and they trust them. And so if there is something that needs um, to be talked about or somebody's struggling with something, they're more apt to share within that small group than they will be in a big group of yeah. other peers that they really may not be close to or know or trust. Yeah, not somebody they want knowing all of their problems. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, especially when it comes to, you know, genders. I'm not going to share the same stuff that I would in front of a group of girls as I would a group of guys. Absolutely. And not that I'm hiding any secrets. It's just conversations different. Yes. So, and it has to be different. If it's not different, you know, then why did God create, you know, male and female? Right. And so there's, it just is. Um, and plus, like, we can joke about certain things that you can't joke about with the girls. Right. Um, so that's another thing. Well, and, you know, according to girls, boys are disgusting. That too. And we got the cooties. We got the cooties. (laughs) And we are. We're disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then he he mentions seven people. Um, He mentions seven people, but he also mentions in the verse few, in the first verse, he mentions the Hellenistic Jews. So I wrote down. Hellenistic Jews, these were Jews who lived in other cities that were not in Israel or Judah. They were Greek-speaking Jews who adopted a Greek lifestyle, but were on the outside, uh, were considered on the outside of Jews. Um, But then you also have the Hebraic, I think that's how you pronounce that, Hebraic Jews who... Uh, lived within the native lands and kept traditions and they spoke their native tongue. Um, And so I wrote down that these two didn't get along with each other. But here you have these two kind of having the same complaint. Like you're you're ignoring, not really ignoring, but you're overlooking uh, the widows. I think during this time, church was a lot different. Uh, Widows and, and orphans would rely on the church uh, for food, for for just for care, and there there was a certain group that was being overlooked. And if there's so much coming at you, kind of like what, what you were saying about TJ, if there's so much coming at you, you don't know you know what to pick and choose. You don't know what to focus on because it's all coming at you at the same time. Yeah, and there's so much of it. More than likely, you're gonna miss something, and so. Uh, that again, this goes to show that like breaking breaking in numbers and dividing up the work that goes a long ways. And so they adopted these seven guys. Now, part of the seven guys was Stephen, which is who we're talking about today. Um, but he also mentioned the these other six guys. One of the last guys he mentions is um, Nicholas, who's a convert from Antioch. Um. 
there's nothing super important that I found or that I could find about him. Because usually if it points out something random like that, it usually means there's usually some sort of significance there. But some people believe that he came from the Nicolaitans, which is who Jesus denounced or whatever he, mm-hmm. you know, he bashed <clears throat> or rebuked is the better word. Yeah. He rebuked in the Old Testament or not Old Testament, in Revelation. He said, he talks about the Nicolaitans, how they are paganistic groups and um, they're just a bad group of people. Um, but there is not enough evidence to prove that he was part of part of that group. And so I can't really say what, one way or another if he was, you know, part of the Nicolaitans or not. Um, but nonetheless, he goes on to talk about talk about Stephen. So here we are in, in verse 8. It says, Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Um, opposition arose, however, from some members of the Freedmen Synagogue composed of both Syrians and Alexandrians, and from the Cilicia and Asia, and began to argue with Stephen, but they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people and elders and the scribes, so they came, seized him. So they came, seized him, and took him to the Sanhedrin, they also presented false witnesses who said, This man never stopped speaking against the holy, holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. And all who were, and all who were sitting in, the, in Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Okay. <clears throat> So, Stephen is accused of several things, but they lie about two of those things. Um, regardless of what the lie was, what I thought was more impressive was Stephen not once like denied those. Uh, he would he not only he didn't deny it or you know agreed that he said those things, um, but his he was not there to defend himself. And that's what I love about Stephen. Yeah. He was not there. He could have spent time saying, no, you put words in my mouth. Mm-hmm. He came for one purpose. Could have tried to avoid going to trial, but he just sat there quietly and waited his turn yes. to speak. And that's the exact same thing Jesus did. They accused Jesus of so many things, but he didn't make it about himself. He made it about the purpose, that the reason why he was there. And then he goes into his sermon um. So let me see here. I just think it's crazy, just again seeing like how corrupt this government is, and now yep. they're accusing them of false things and like finding false witnesses to come perjure themselves in court to lie about this man. Yes, they will say anything just to see this man die. Mm-hmm. Yet this man won't lie about anything, but he'll tell he'll speak on the truth. Yeah, and so. He's before some pretty great people, though. I just want to. I just want to set the scene here, because you're talking about a man. We don't know his education. We don't know if he's super educated or not. He just signed up to be a custodian. You know what I mean? 
He just signed up to wash dishes. It kind of just reminds me of what we just read about Peter and John. Yes. Like, they weren't these educated men. They are just guys that God said, hey, I got a purpose that needs done, and you're going to be the one to do it. Yeah. And they just stepped up and did it. Stepped up and did it. And this man somehow, again, was trying to set paint, paint this picture for you. Because this was just an ordinary man, an ordinary mechanic, an ordinary worked at Baker Hughes, a <laughs> machinist. I mean, it didn't matter, no matter where you are. Somehow found himself before the Sanhedrin. That's a big deal. Well, look at it like this. When you go back, he was chosen as one of the seven to kind of handle, you know, they delegated tasks. To him, so that they could continue on preaching, and then look at where he ends up at. Yes, right. Look where look where your service gets you. Yeah, your service, even in your serving, you can still preach the gospel. Yes, and that's the whole purpose. Like, thank you for making that connection because again, that just goes goes to say that works without faith, or faith without works is dead. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you're appointed among the seven, you still have a duty to serve and to preach the Word of God. TJ talked about it on Sunday. Our, I mean, our goal is to know God and make God known, Yep. no matter where you are. So... I got one more thing to say yeah, on go that. Ahead. Like, kind of going along with what you were saying is, you know, everybody has a ministry. You know, our ministries aren't just... Ministry isn't just um, limited to a pulpit, right? Our ministries are everywhere we go. People around us at our jobs, right? If we have a secular job, that is our ministry. Our number one ministry is our household. Everybody has a ministry. And Stephen just happened to make where he was put, the place where he was put to serve his ministry, and then ends up... Yeah, where he's at. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I agree. Um, there's just so much. It's just amazing to me. It's just amazing to me that a guy, a simple guy, stepped up and said, "Yeah, I'll help you serve." Literally, these. he stepped up to help serve tables, like serve food to widows. Yeah. And then now he's in front of like this great, this big government, right? Fighting for his life. Yeah, and he didn't bat an eye. That's the no. impressive thing about yes. it. You know why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep, man was ready to go. Yep. just like Peter, he spoke boldly because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit can work in whoever He wants, whoever it wants. I don't know what you want to call Holy Spirit. He, she. He's a he. he. Scripture calls him a he. So I think <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I just love I just love that again, this man, he was not not only did he step up and and did not shy away from sharing the gospel, found himself amongst the Sanhedrin, which is a big deal, and still was not afraid. He's like, I got there's a God who's way more powerful than you. And I think TJ him speaking it, speaking about it on Sunday, he said all he was doing was he wasn't denying the things that Moses said. 
because like the Jews at this time, they believed in the first five books of the Bible. They believed in everything that, that happened up until Moses. And that was it. They didn't believe in anything else after Moses. And so they were just stuck on the on like stuck on the stuck on the fact that he was talking about things that were beyond the historical the historical point of Moses. Yeah, they were stuck on legalism. Yes. Which is really ironic whenever we get to this next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it'll, it'll make sense when we get towards the end of the next yes. chapter, but it's really ironic how stuck on the law and stuff they were and then the way they acted. Well, yes. that's that was the Pharisees, right? I mean, as I read through the New Testament, uh, I did recently did a, a deal where it was the New Testament in 26 days. And as I'm reading through this, you know, it talks about Jesus. He's here and he's there. And everywhere he was, there were Pharisees just trying to catch him up on something. And, but they're just, they're so stuck on that law. Just like you guys said, they can't look past the Levitical law. They can't. It's, yeah, it's frustrating for me because I, I mean, I consider myself super religious. Um, like, I, I love Jesus and I love Scripture, and I'm not going to deny my, my faith. <clears throat> but there are guys who devote themselves to, to the Word, and they know the first five books, and they have it memorized, and it's impressive. But having it memorized and knowing it are two totally different things. Yes. And I just think, like, it just... It just still captivates me that there are people who I don't know. Maybe maybe you can speak on this a little more than because it's just hard for me to understand how how uh, the Jews at this time they just stop right there at Leviticus. They stop right there at you know at Moses, and I just don't understand that. Um, and for me, it's really sad because I wish they would. I wish they would at least be be open to this. Because, man, God would show them some amazing stuff. Because he's done some amazing stuff. I feel like it. it's just because they put limitations on God. It's like they took those first five books, and then they're like, okay, God's done. That's all he had to say. So now they can't, they can't wrap their mind around the fact that Jesus is the Savior that God was going to send because in their mind... I mean, God God was done. Like, he finished what he was doing, and they're just focused on upholding what he said to do. At the same time, when you look at, I believe it's Isaiah 52, um, it talks about the Messiah. And when you read that... You getting <laughs> so, hungry? Yes, <laughs> I'm there. Uh, when you read that, it's talking about the uh, the Messiah before he manifests on earth and after, right? So the Jews were at this point were still waiting on their Messiah. That's also one of the reasons why they're having such a hard time of accepting this because to them Jesus was just a prophet. And so they're still waiting on their Messiah. Um my next point is like we when you're talking about the law we still see that today. People stuck on the law, and I, I always uh, I like to explain it how 
head knowledge versus heart knowledge. People, there are a lot of people that have head knowledge of this book and they can, you can point out any word and they can give you the original Greek and Hebrew and all that. They have that head knowledge Mm -hmm. and sometimes they'll lack the heart knowledge. And then at the same time, they put limitations on God. And I'm like, don't you put no limitations on my God. I mean, who are we to, to say what God can and can't do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just, I always heard this, um, this, uh, this example of people putting God in a box, or people putting Jesus in a box. <clears throat> it's it, you people putting G, put, people putting God in a box is, is is saying that He can't manifest Himself into a man who looks just like you and me, and, and Him coming down and performing all these miracles. And signs and wonders, and you know, sharing the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that He came to do God's will to fulfill the law, because everyone was imperfect. No one else could fulfill the law; only He could. Yep. And then He died to be the the human sacrifice for us. And and, and He said before He left, "It's better that I go." To me, man, I'm telling you, if he's if he was here right beside me right now and he said, Cruz, it's better that I go because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say, Jesus, no, I need you in my life. Like, I want to walk with you. I just want to follow you wherever you go. But, you know, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how important the Holy Spirit is. And then he's saying, the one that I'm sending is going to follow you wherever you go. Right. It's going to go with you wherever you, wherever I tell you to at that yep. point. And so it's just, here we are. Here you have Stephen, a man who, again, was just a regular old guy. Signed up to die. Yep, yep. There, uh, there's a song called I Signed Up to Die, and I just keep, while we're reading this, that's just what I'm thinking of. <laughs> but, I mean, we did. We signed up to die. Yeah, there's nothing easy about being a Christian. And so... I also want to also want to point out before we wrap up this message. I know we said we're going to go into chapter seven, but we're gonna we're running short on time here, <clears throat> um, so we'll just stop at six. But I'll say this one last thing. Um, so he mentions he mentions a few towns. He mentions Caesarians, Alexandrians, Cilicia, and Asia. So Cilicia, I'm pretty sure that's where Paul was from. And so there is, a, there is a really good chance that Saul is in the midst. We know that he gave the command to, to murder Stephen. <clears throat> but there's a really good chance that Saul was there and whenever, he, whenever he gave the command um, to, to murder, to murder you know, uh, Stephen. So I think that's going to play an important role. You are correct. According to Acts, um, he was born a Roman citizen in Tarsus in Sicilia, ancient Asia Minor, modern Turkey. There you go. I was going to read that that bit. I, I don't have my book here. That's all right. Because um, that's where I read it from a, another like source. And yeah, I thought that, that was pretty impressive. That's going to play a big, big role here in a second because... After the book of Acts, 
well, halfway through the book of Acts, we, there's introduced a man named Saul who changed, who changed Christianity, who God performed a great work through. <clears throat> and so I think it was just one of those things where, like, you see something happen, and you thought you were right, and then you stick to your guns, and at the end of it, you realize you were wrong. I think Saul realized he was wrong, like way wrong. And so and that's when Jesus comes to him. So anyways, we'll wrap it up there unless you guys have anything else to add. Just wait for next week. I got a question at the very end that's going to tie in with that. Oh, boy. Oh, the suspense. suspense. <laughs> right? Okay. Well, tune in next week and find out, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yep. I don't have anything else to say. Peace out. See you next week. Adios. See you.